Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. You have your Bible, smartphones, or tablets, and you want to follow along, we're going to be looking at the passage that was just read, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. And if you're watching online, we're going to be celebrating communion at the end of this, and so if you want to get uh, juice and bread together, or crackers and water, whatever you can use to celebrate communion with us, I'd encourage you to do that. Wow, it's good to be here and a chance to give thanks. There's something good about giving thanks to the Lord. Gratitude changes everything. And so I'm really glad that, uh, that you're here today to, to give thanks together with us. We've been working through the book of Ephesians. Uh, this morning we come to my favorite passage in the whole book. It's Paul's prayer for the believers in Ephesus and in the churches surrounding Ephesus. Now, I've been your pastor for just over five years. One of the things that you've heard me tell you again and again is that we're about discipleship. We are called to be a church that is growing in the ways of God. But what would an exceptionally well-discipled believer look like? Paul's prayer, in part, is an answer to that question. Martin Luther King Jr. gave the I Have a Dream speech, and it reverberated around the world. And his vision, his vision for change, brought about change. This is Paul's I Have a Prayer speech. This is I Have a Dream, my I Have a Dream for Asbury Prayer. I know when some people think about discipleship, they think of knowing more scripture. But that is a means to an end, not the end itself. I know that when some people think about discipleship, they they think about learning how to pray or praying more or hearing God. And all those things are good. Scripture's good. Knowing scripture's good. Prayer's good. But it's a means to an end, not the end itself. Paul in this prayer, paints a picture of what we're moving towards. He's praying a prayer about what we're called to be. If you're wondering how to pray for yourself, book this mark, bookmark this prayer and pray it for yourself. If you're wondering how to pray for another believer, bookmark this prayer and pray it for them. If you're wondering how to pray for Asbury, bookmark this prayer and pray it for us. This is a big prayer, a huge prayer, a big, hairy, audacious prayer. It's it's massive. And yet, Paul prays it and believes it's going to happen. And the good thing is about praying big prayers is we serve an awesome God who is, is big and huge as well. The first part of chapter 3, Paul has been rifting on the amazing gospel that we, we have it has been revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Paul has been telling the Ephesians of, that God has entrusted him with, with this gospel, and he's been telling them about God's love. He's in prison for preaching the gospel, but he's, he's there happily because of what's happening in terms of the fruitful ministry that he's having there and also in Ephesus. So he writes... Verse 14, 
For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I like how the, the message uh, version puts it. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. Paul says, my response to seeing the gospel flourish amongst you is to kneel before God, our Father, recognizing it's God who gives every good thing. It's God who parcels out everything. He knows every family, he knows every person, and everyone, all that everyone has comes from him. Here's something you need to know about prayer. When you're going to pray a big prayer, it's helpful to remember the character of God. It's helpful to remember who God really is. Paul starts out by, by reminding himself uh, that, that God is big enough to answer this prayer. He says, I kneel before the Father because it's our Heavenly Father, and our Heavenly Father is good and he's trustworthy, and he's kind, and he loves his children, and he wants the best for his children. So he reminds himself, I, I kneel before the Father, uh, because all good things come from his, his hands. It's a, it's a big prayer, but he's, he's praying to the God our Father, who's a loving, generous, good God. So it's good to remind ourselves of that. And this is what he prays for. He says, I pray that out of his riches in glory, uh, his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Again, Paul reminds us of who God is. He reminds himself. He reminds others. He reminds us where the answer of prayer is going to come from. It's out of God's glorious riches. One translation puts it, his unlimited resources. And it's helpful to remember that there is no scarcity with God. See, God... God is not on a budget. You know, when you spend a budget, if you spend money here, you can't spend that same money over here. That's not God. God's resources are unlimited. So Paul reminds himself, as out of this glorious riches, this is where the answer to prayer is going to come from. And this is what he prays. That God, here's what he prays that God will do out of those unlimited resources. He prays that you will be strengthened with power by his spirit in your inner being. Now remember, Paul is praying for people who are in the church. He's praying for Christians, believers in Christ. He prays that they would be strengthened with power by God's spirit in their inner being. Got to tell you that if it wasn't for Paul's example, it wouldn't occur to me to pray this kind of prayer. If God answers Paul's prayer, though, for the Ephesians, if God answers my prayer for you, if God answers your prayer for others, then the Spirit of God will strengthen your inner being with power. You're going to become strong on the inside. question is why. Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. I thought Jesus was already in the heart of believers. He is. The key word here is dwell. There are obviously different degrees of dwelling. 
Here's the thing about God. He will only give you as much of himself as you can take. That's why Paul is praying that we be strengthened in the inner person because so that we'll be able to take more of Jesus or maybe so that Jesus can take more of us. The word dwell here, the Greek word for dwell, is the same word used in, in Matthew 12, 45 to describe demon possession. They were possessed by demons. Paul is praying for the Ephesians that, that they would have the capacity to be possessed by Christ. Think about the degrees of dwelling this way. If I came to your home to visit, I would be treated as a guest. You wouldn't expect me to come to your home and then go exploring through your closet and checking out the basement and looking under the bed. Um, you would expect me to come and sit in your living room or kitchen and, and talk about things that matter, right? Well, let's just say that instead of coming to visit, you took me on as a roommate. Now I'm, I'm, I'm dwelling there and I have access to a lot more stuff, but I don't have access to everything. Um, but we dwell together. When Linda and I got married, we, after we were married, dwelled together. And she had access to all of my stuff, and I had access to all of her stuff. There's different degrees of dwelling. Jesus, speaking to the church in Laodicea, said this, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. Jesus is asking for those people in Laodicea to allow him to dwell in them in a more meaningful way, to have real conversation, to have real fellowship. God will, will only give you as much of himself as you can take. But my prayer for you is not that you would receive a visitation from God, but that God would make you his habitation, where he dwells richly in you. Paul goes on along the same lines, but he prays this, verse 17, halfway through the verse. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. Paul, the, the verb there, being rooted and established, they have already been rooted and established in love. They get that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He, they get that the Father loves them. They get that while they were yet sinners, God loved them and Christ died for them. They are people, just like most of you, who get on some level that God loves you. But here's what he prayed. He prays that, that they may have the power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. He's praying for individuals as well as the church that they would grasp and be able to understand the vastness of God's love. 
that they would really get how grand it is. Notice that in order for them to do that, they're going to need power. They're going to need real power on the inside. Over my years as pastor, I've, I have found that there is a significant subset of Christians, people in the church, who know that God loves them, but they don't know that God loves them. They have learned the the truth of the kid's song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that is fantastic and great. You believe God loves you because the Bible says he loves you. But there's a deeper knowing that comes through the power of the Spirit. That you know that you know. You know deep in your knower that God loves you. This is what Paul prays for, verse 19. And to know the love, this love that surpasses knowledge. Paul prays for the power of God to work in your life so that you will know that you know that you know that God loves you. If you are part of that subset of people who who know, but they really don't know God loves you, ask for the power of God to change that. This is a revelation thing. This is a spirit thing. This is not a, I need to study harder and make it up thing. It's not, I'm going to grunt and believe myself into this. This is a a spirit of God revealing who God really is to you. This is an answer to the, 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 the prayer. I'm praying that you be strengthened in the inner person so that you would know the love of God. I want you to notice something else, though. Back in verse 18, that we may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people. All the Lord's holy people. It's one thing for you to know the love of Christ, but there is a deeper richness yet to know this love together with God's holy people. We heard together as we're uh, having testimonies of how God has shown his love to us. There's a beautiful dynamic that happens when a church comes together. And a grandma who's been walking with Jesus for 70 years stands up and says, I found God faithful. And a young adult stands up and says, yeah, university was really tough. Yeah, they tried to make me doubt my faith, but God came through. And a young father stands up and says, Yeah, just had a baby. Can't believe how much I love that little critter. And now I I just catch a a glimpse, a glimpse of how God loves me as his child. And as people start to share their experiences of love, the love of God and their insight into the love of God, it gives the love of God a texture, a fullness that allows us to grow deeper that we would never get on our own. When we share our experiences of his love, then we start to be able to put together a picture of God's love. Back to verse 19. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
Huge prayer. That you might be filled to all the measure of all the fullness of God. There's a direct correlation between knowing the love of God by the power of the Spirit and experiencing the fullness of God in your life. You can't have one without the other. That's so, why so many saints in the past described the filling of God's Spirit as a filling of love. Paul's prayer for the church, my prayer for you, and our prayer for each other is that we would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What's the fullness of God like? Well, obviously it's a fullness of love, right? You're filled to the full of love. God is life. So to be filled to the fullness, the, the, filled to the measure of the fullness of God is to be filled with real life, the life that is really life. God is filled with joy and peace and grace and goodness and comfort and strength. To be filled with the fullness of God means to be filled with those things as well. I want you to be a exceptionally well-discipled people following Jesus with all your heart. I want you to know how to read your Bibles, and I want you to know how to pray. I want you to know how to hear from God, but all those things are a means to an end. The end is that you would be strengthened with power by God's Spirit in your inner person so that, that Christ can dwell there in his fullness. And the end is that you know that you really know that you know deep down that you know the vastness of God's love so that you can be filled to all the fullness of God. And when that happens, my, that changes everything. That'll change the way that you live amongst people. That'll change the way you do life. That changes everything. Would you pray that prayer for you? Bookmark it and say, Lord, this is what I want to have happen in my life. Would you pray that prayer for us, for our church, for your family who knows Jesus? This is what God wants to do in your life. It's a huge prayer. I mean, it's a God-sized prayer. Paul is basing it on who God is. He's, he's asking the Father to answer this prayer out of his unlimited resources the boundless riches of, uh, of God, but because this is something that only God can do. But it's something that God has no problem doing. Paul knew that he was asking big. He was asking for a love that's beyond knowledge, that we know that love. He was asking for a full measure of God. But just in case... Just in case we were thinking, oh, that prayer's too big. This is what he writes. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Paul's asked big, God can do immeasurably more than that. According to his power that is a work in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Sure, it's a big ask. It's a huge prayer request. But Paul reminds them and Paul reminds us that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Paul is saying that that's a big prayer request. Psst. If you think that, let me tell you. 
God can do immeasurably more than that. He's able to do more than you can imagine. He's able to do much more than I've prayed. And he, look what he says. He says, he's able to do that and answer those kind of prayers according to his power that is at work within us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Romans tells us that the Spirit of God lives in us. If you're a Christian, Christ lives in you. The Spirit of God makes you his, uh, the temple of God. If you're a believer, the fact of the matter is that there's enough of God in you for God to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. The reality of, is that God has given enough of himself to you to blow your mind. So you can have this huge, big, audacious prayer. And Paul says, yeah, that's great, but he can do more. So on this Thanksgiving Sunday, I echo what the words of Paul. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Thank you, God, for what you've done. Thank you for salvation that's so rich and free. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our lives and what you're going to do in our lives, your, your goodness, and, and all that, that's, that we have is, is worth giving thanks uh, and worth having gratitude for generation after generation, forever and ever. Today, we give thanks. We're going to celebrate communion this morning. Communion in our church is open to anyone who knows the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. If he lives in you and you're trying to walk in peace with those around you, you're welcome to be, come to the table. As we remember what Jesus has done for us, we remember that he still wants to work in us. So before we get to communion today, I want to pray for you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray that God, out of his glorious riches, would strengthen your people here at Asbury with power, through your spirit, in their inner being. I pray, Lord, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith and dwell deeply. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, I pray, Lord, that we would have the power together with all God's people to grasp how wide and high and long and deep is the love of Christ. I pray, Lord, that we would know this love that surpasses knowledge. Oh, Lord, help us to be a people that are filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.